Good morning, church. How y'all doing? Oh, that feels so good. <laughs> that feels so good. All right. Look at you. Like, we just stepped it up. I got a mic now, like a lavalier. I can move around. Like, what? Marie Moon walking up here. Is that what we happening? That's why y'all got this. All right, so let's, uh, I guess I'll give a little update. Um, been a long time. Shouldn't have left you. <laughs> um, you know, we, uh, so we're, we're in Princeton now, New Jersey, uh, leading the Mercer County Church of Christ. We started off there and we got there. It's about 25 members. Um, and it's crazy, you know, we went there and, uh, we, we, we did like a tour. They were telling us about some of the campuses in the area, and we're looking at the campus. They got uh, the College of New Jersey there, Ryder University, and they obviously have uh, Princeton University there. So when we were there, me and Zion was like, okay, Ryder, yeah, we're going to get on that. We got that. TCNJ, okay, this is going to be good. We'll, we'll, we'll put Princeton on the back burner. We'll deal with that one some other time, but God had some other plans. And um, God already had one student there. God really worked in a great way the past two years. We have now nine students at Princeton University. The churches went from 25 members to 51 members now. We just added that to so. There's been some growth. So we're, we're representing the BX. We ain't changed. <laughs> they clear about where we come from. Uh, and we're happy to be here. And so I want to talk a little bit about expectations. Right? We go into, we went to Jersey. Uh, we had expectations. The expectation was to not touch Princeton. But God had other expectations, right? Uh, and was doing an incredible thing there. And expectations are always cool, right? We love expectations. And they're always good when they're not challenged, right? Right? When they're not challenged and they're just an expectation, it's just in your mind, it's a good thing, right? We enjoy that. Uh, until your expectations meet reality. And once your expectations meet reality, it's, uh, it ain't so fun anymore, right? Think about it. The thought of potentially being fulfilled, being happy, is always a good thing. Think about this. When y'all went to, you have expectations of going to a restaurant, right? We've had expectations, I'm going to go see this restaurant, I'm going to go see a movie, right? You have expectations where you go see a movie, you get, an album comes out, a book, you go on a date with somebody. We all have these great, a new job, right? New job, you have high expectations. Until what? <laughs> right? Until you get there, right? And unmet expectations are some of the worst things, right? Like, they're like horrible. Name that job. Y'all had an expectation. You thought it was going to be great. Right? You got into that job. You're like, this is it. You prayed for this job. You begged God for this job. And a week after you have the job, you're like, yo, I need to go. Like... God, this is good, but it's time to, you need to upgrade me here. Like, they're not worth, you know, right? You, you get there. This happens, you know? This summer, as a Knicks fan, I had expectations. I don't even know if I want to go into that right now. But I'll get the point. Unmet expectations are tough, especially when they go across the river. Like, that's just the worst, right? Brooklyn. Who goes to Brooklyn? Anyway. <laughs> And so, unmet expectations could be a big thing. It could, it could be, you know, it's funny when we talk about it with stuff like the Knicks and movies and restaurants and jobs, but it's not funny when it comes to your marriage, right? Oh, unmet, unmet expectations, oh, it ain't funny no more, right? It ain't funny no more. When it comes to your kids, 
oh, it ain't funny no more, right? Like, it's, it's a little serious. When it comes to your finances, it's not funny anymore. When it comes to your personal life, your personal right is not funny anymore. And this is where we see the crux of the danger of unmet expectations. And the thing is, we like to walk around like we have everything on point. Like, we like to put on our Sunday best, every day, right? I can say every day, and it's okay here, right? I love that. <laughs> you know? But nothing turns out the way you expect it, and it really starts to cause some damage. And today, that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about that, especially pertaining to our faith. Especially pertaining to our faith. You know, it's crazy when we have expectations, and we could probably all admit to this. We've had expectations for God as well. Right? And there's times when we make decisions thinking like, you know, God is with me. And so God, God made this clear. God, I'm going to go left. And God's like, nah, but I want you to go right. And so you went left in faith. Right? You went left in faith. Like, yeah, God, I'm doing And then it doesn't work out. And then what happens? God? I did this in faith. I had scriptures. I didn't talk to people about it. It was like, I dated this brother in faith. I quit that job in faith. And it didn't pan out the way you expected. Now you're turning back and who are you yelling at? Look what you did. Right? And we go there. Major key here. I want us to, to remember this. God may not live up to all your expectations, but he will always live up to his word. And this is really big. We got to hold this. God may not live up to all your lofty expectations and even some of your realistic expectations, but he will always live up to his word. He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. But your expectations have to be right. We have to ask ourselves, are our expectations grounded in the word of God or are they really grounded in our personal desires? And our personal wants. There's a difference. Look, and let me be clear. Ain't nothing wrong with personal desires. Ain't nothing wrong with wants and ambitions. That's some good stuff. Have them. I wouldn't want to hang with people who ain't got no desires and ambitions. That's not a fun person to be around, right? Have those things, but just put them in their proper place. Right? You got to put it in this proper place. We say stuff like, uh, you know, and this is, this is where we got to challenge our, our biblical convictions and make sure that we're being biblically sound when we talk about things. We say stuff like, he'll never put more on you than you could bear, right? Or we say, we love to say that. But is it biblical? Oh, some of y'all, those people are like, wait, hold up. <laughs> and somebody's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, it ain't true. And that's not true. First Corinthians 13, we can turn that to it. It says, um, oh, actually, go back. I didn't put it on there because it's just a side note scripture. It says, he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Tempted, not life. Tempted, not life. That's the difference. So, yeah, you'll be tempted. You can get over there. You can make a choice. But life is hard. And if it ain't hard for you, I'll let you know right now. It's been hard for me. We've had some stuff. Life is hard. Can you bear death? 
Right? No, you can't bear death. Life is hard. Things are hard. Things don't always pan out. It ain't comfortable. That's not it. The scripture says he, he, he won't be tempted more than you could bear. But that doesn't mean your situation and circumstances is going to be light. It's going to be a breeze. It's going to be everything but that. Major key here. Major key. God will not allow you to have a life that makes him unnecessary. And we need to remember this. God will not allow you to have a life that will make him unnecessary. This is the crux of my sermon right now. Now you can go to sleep, you can ignore everything else, but take this point right here. It's not going to happen. That wasn't his intentions. At some point, you're just going to have to go through it and trust him. That's just the reality of it. He doesn't do what you thought he would do. Things don't turn out the way you expected them to. Then you start to doubt. Then you start to question. And we have to remember that faith is not an equation. It's a relationship. It's not an equation. It's a relationship. But it's hard. You know, I've doubted God. I go through this. I know I'm supposed to be talking real bold. You know, I'm an evangelist now. Whatever. Y'all, y'all know me. All right? All right. Y'all remember the big jacket I used to wear? Y'all make fun of me in, all right? Y'all know, so I can't even come here and try to front, all right? Try to be something I ain't. I struggle. I struggle. I doubt. I go through things. Not before I was a Christian. I doubt it as a Christian. I doubt as an evangelist. I've only been in three weeks, right? I struggle. I go through these things. These, these, these questions go through my mind. God, what are you doing? What's your goal here? What's your angle? How are you going to work this out? Are you going to work this out? You said you was going to work this out. Why ain't it worked out yet? Why am I still dealing with this? I, these are realities I go through, right? They go in my mind. I struggle with this. It's true. We all struggle with this stuff. Let's not act fake, all right? We all are going through stuff. The mind is crazy. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. These prisons that we create, these mental prisons in our minds that we, 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 we really camp out in. And we find it hard to get out of. Past experiences, circumstances, things that we've been through, it makes it so hard to move forward. And we get stuck. And we get stuck. See, God works from within us to change us through the workings of his Holy Spirit. But reality is Satan works from within us too, man. He works from within us too. He gets in our minds. He manipulates us to build these prisons from the inside out. And we're stuck. And we're stuck. So for those who are like me and deal with these mental prisons, and have some of these issues where it's hard to just get out of. You find yourself running in a treadmill. You ain't going nowhere, but you're moving your legs fast. This is for you today. And for those who don't relate to that, it's okay. Hopefully you'll enjoy the process. All right? Today I want to look at a few snapshots of different people in the Bible who went through similar experiences like this. Let you know that you're not alone. These are true things. These are things that aren't just, we talk about things and these things, but they're biblical. They're grounded in scripture. Prayerfully, we could go through these great men and we could see these, these different acts and how they overcame and how they went through it. And we could relate and we could imitate. 
Alright? Let's look at Job. Job. J-O-B. I used to say job. I don't know. That's what it looked like. Because, you know, you sound it out, so I would tell my kids. Alright? Man of great faith. The man of great faith. Probably one of the best examples of faith, right? In his time. Clearly one of the best examples. He has this famous scripture. I'm going to say it in the KJV version because that's the way I memorized it. Love it there. Right? It says, uh, Though ye slay me, yet I will still praise him. There y'all know. Some of y'all know that. Some of y'all know that's an old school one, right? Though ye may slay me, I will still praise him. Like, I love that. Job was a, this was a man of God. Faithful. But then Job says this in Job 14, verse 19, he says, As waters wear, wear away stones and turn to wash away the soil, so you destroy a person's hope. He was obviously talking about his wife or his friend, right? He wasn't talking about... Now, who was he talking about? says, as water wears away stones, turns, wash away the soil, you, God, destroys a person's hope. That's a real moment. That's a real moment. Now, some of y'all are like, I just changed my whole view of Job. I can't even believe this man. What kind of? I can't believe he's even in the Bible. I love Right? Look at Jeremiah. Another prophet, great prophet, spoke a message. He was more committed to it than some of us. We share our faith one time and somebody said, no, we like, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> I share my faith again. Man sit without their preaching 30 years plus, nobody listened. Without our day, preaching. Some of us, we go on a train, we share our faith with one person, we're like, oh, I'm done, all right, that's it. And she said, no. Looked at me funny. I'm out. Jeremiah 15, it says, verse 18, Jeremiah says this, Why has my pain been so perpetual and my wound incurable, refusing to be healed? Will you indeed be to me like a deceptive stream with water that is unreliable? You know who he's talking to? Man, man, let's, 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 we're a little old school here. KJV. Well, look at it. It says something kind of crazy, right? In that same verse, it says, Wilt thou be altogether unto me as a liar? And as waters that fell? I don't even like reading that because I feel dirty. I feel like my mouth just... You know, after I read that, I was like, Lord, that wasn't me. I'm just reading your word. You told me to read your word. I'm just doing what you said. I don't even know what. I don't even, I, I, I don't know. It ain't me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Right? Feel dirty. He called God a liar. Will you be unto me a liar? What? Now, I know we looking like, oh, my gosh. What kind of stuff is this? But stop fronting because y'all all do it. Y'all all do it. Like, stop. Like, you know what I mean? Don't, don't. You know, we, it's my Sunday best. You know what I mean? <laughs> no. Y'all all, we all go through it. We all been there. 
That's a reality. Don't front. We had some prayers and we struggled. And here's the thing. If you're mad at God, you might as well tell him. Because he already knows. It ain't like he don't know. You're trying to act like you're hiding something. Me and God ain't talking right now. It don't work like that. It's not how it works with the Lord, right? You know, it's just not, it's not right. You know, my wife makes this point. I want to share this. This is my wifey point. Hashtag wifey point, right? Got to give credit to the wife on this one. She says, God can handle your honesty, but God won't tolerate your grumbling, grumbling about him to others. That's a fact. God can take your honesty. Be honest. Keep it 100. I don't got to define 100 here, right? Good, good. Keep 100. That's fine. But don't go running around to everybody else talking about me. Come to me. Talk to me. Look at Elijah. We see the same thing with Elijah. Elijah, man, you talk about a bad man. Elijah was a bad man. He prayed for no rain. And what happened? For how long? Oh, y'all been reading your Bibles. That's what I'm talking about. Three years, no rain. Right? He met with some other prophets out uh, on uh, some other prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. One man, an army, prophets. I could see a MCU trailer for this. You know what I mean? Right? Like Mount Carmel. You know, this epic battle is about to happen. You know what I mean? On on, you think of like Infinity War, right? You know, this epic, epic battle. They build an altar, you know what I mean? You can change the next slide, right? This epic, crazy battle. They're about to go to war with this. It's a big deal here, right? You know? They build an altar. He's like, you build an altar, and then I'll build an altar. So they start building an altar. You pray to your God, and I'll pray to my God. Like, it's a big thing. And then whichever God answers by fire, that's the one true God. That's like an epic moment. You're expecting to see something crazy happen, right? So they pray, they scream, they cry, they cut themselves, right? They go, they're going all in. They're trying to make this work. And Elijah is so hilarious. This is the guy that helped me to see, you know, you can have a sense of humor and still be a Christian. <laughs> I needed to hear this guy. You know what I mean? Because, you know, people make me feel bad. Anyway, but side note. His sarcasm was off the hook. I love it. Because he says stuff like, did you schedule this with your God? You obviously probably need to make an appointment. He's probably, he's, he's, he might be on vacation. He might be on vacation. He's not hearing you right now. You know, make sure you leave him. Maybe he's with the kids. Scream a little louder. Maybe your God's a light, a heavy sleeper. You might need to scream a little. Like, he's so disrespectful. He's just disrespectful just in their time, in their face. You see the bravado, the, the, the boldness that he had. And then when it's his turn, he's like, okay. Builds his altar, digs a trench around it, tells some people, go, go get, get some water, get some water. Put some water on it. Put some water. Let's make it a little more difficult. Matter of fact, put some more water on it. You know what I mean? Make it a little difficult. Matter of fact, put some more water on it. Like, let's just go ahead. Let's do this. Again, again. Then he prays, bong, fire, right? Burns the whole thing up, burns up all the wood, licks the, fire, the water up. It's done. Then he's like, run. Everybody's out, right? The prophet's dip. It's a big moment. God was proven. His faith was like 
all-time high. All-time high. It was an epic moment. He's a bad man, right? Faithful man. And then he gets a letter. Right after. Literally, right after this. The man gets a letter from the queen. And so I wanted to illustrate this to you guys. And so typically I've noticed powerful people nowadays like to use Twitter. So I got a tweet from the queen. Ain't no shade. So queen, uh, the queen says this. Elijah, don't like what you did to my prophets. Mean face emoji. I'm going to kill you. Period. Run. Run for your life. Queen J, hashtag slay all day. You better run, sucker. Right? Sends it out. Elijah sees the message. Right? Elijah sees the message. Mind you, this man just prayed, right? He just prayed. God, bring down fire. Burn the altar. If I was able to pray that in middle school, there'd be some, there wouldn't be some people. There'd be some classes empty right now, right? If I had that ability, we could just bring down fire like that? Like what? You talk about a high level of confidence. You can't imagine. What was his response to this? How should he have responded to this? We're going to find out, Pam, that was violent, Pam. Pam, you're a Christian. You can't be doing that stuff. Maurice, please. Like, <laughs> right? He should have had a little more confidence. Well, let's look at his response ones. In 1 Kings 19, verse 3, it said what? Elijah did exactly what that queen said. Verse 3 is that Elijah was afraid and he fled for his life. Man just totally went toe-to-toe with hundreds of prophets. Got one tweet from a queen. Okay, technically it wasn't a tweet. I just want to make sure I'm biblically authentic here. It was not a tweet. That was just illustration there. All right, Maurice, don't go telling people Paris is add and take away from the scriptures, right? Here's a really big point. I want you guys to see this, man. This is huge. This is huge, right? Hit the next slide. No matter how strong you've been, the enemy will find your weakness. You need to, we need to hold on to that. Because we all have great moments. No matter how strong you've been, how epic a moment you had. I was out here doing, I used to. That's true. But the enemy ain't sleeping. And he will find your weakness. Because we all have one. You've got to remember, like I said in the beginning, God will not allow you to have a life that will make him unnecessary. He will not allow you to have a life that will allow you to make him unnecessary. Because we have weakness in the flesh. Therefore, we need what? Divine help. We are forever dependent on God, never on your abilities. And you can't get it twisted and think, well, look what I did. Ergo, I could do it again. Reality is, look what God did. Therefore, 
God can do it again. But we get it twisted sometimes. We start to think we're greater than we really are. We're really nothing. And I know I'm not trying to discourage you guys because you are something. You're worth enough that Jesus died for you. You have value. You are great. You have power in you. But just remember where the source came from. Just like I can't be stealing my wife's points without giving her credit. She lets me know every time. <laughs> you know, we got to make sure we're very clear with this. The question is, when you're afraid, when you're alone, when your anxiety is picking up, when your insecurities are getting the best of you, where do you turn to? Where do you turn to? You turn inward, outward, or upwards. And this is big, because sometimes we turn inwards, we look into ourselves, who we are, what we've done, we get insecure, because we know our weakness is better than anyone else. We deal with it in that battle, that mental prison I talked about. We're in it. And then sometimes we look outwards, and we're looking for other people to be our savior. And sometimes people say the dumbest things. They say the dumbest things, but they've been disciples for years, and they still say the dumbest things, right? It happens. It happens. And so then the question is, are you looking upward? Where does my strength come from? Where do I put my hope in? And this is so big. You know, it goes on to say that he left his servants there and went alone. And I really like this because the next scripture in 1 Kings 19, uh, verse 4, he goes on, he says, while he was with him, while he was, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, came to a boom bush and sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. A powerful man of prayer, powerful man of prayer, was praying to die. And this wasn't like figuratively speaking, like he wasn't, wasn't like some deep spiritual metaphor here. Literally saying, I want to die. And it's deep because he brings up this ancestor part, which I always thought was kind of weird because he got into this comparing game. Right? We do that, right? We like to compare ourselves to other people all the time. And he got into this, I'm no better than my ancestors. You see, we do this. And the reality is, he, even though this is a dark moment for him, he's still a man of prayer. Did y'all notice that? Like, he's, he's still praying. He's still a man of prayer. But the content of his prayer has changed. Right? The God he asked to hold the rain, bring the rain, then hold the rain again, and then bring some fire. Now he's asking to take his life. Now he's asking to take his life. A prophet of God is dealing with suicidal depression. That's, you see it there clearly. Prophet of God dealing with suicidal depression. After an epic moment, 
that we all wish we could have. And then over here, it's like, how did that happen? But we've been there, right? We've had mountaintop experiences with God. We're like, yo, me, God, yo, this is great. And the next minute, we're like, what? Where you at? Where am I at? How I get here? You walk there. I don't remember walking there, right? You know, like we go through all that. You know, he brings it to God first. He doesn't bring it to everyone else. He brings it to God. He's frustrated, anxiety, depression. He's lost, yet he brings it to God. His prayers might be wrong, but they go into the right place. And I think that's so powerful. We can't forget that. We can't forget that. That's huge. They're going to the right place. And sometimes we feel like we have it all planned out. Things blow up in our face. Doesn't go the way we expected. Look at John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus. Baptize Jesus. Baptize Jesus. You know, the voice of God said to him, this is my son. You think anyone that has any more confirmation on who Jesus is, that man's got it. Right? He got it. Related, baptized him. Lord said, that's my son. Got it. How much more proof do you want that Jesus is who he said he is? But then in Matthew 11, verse 2, John the Baptist, who was in where? Prison. Heard about all the things the Messiah was doing. So he sent message. He sent to his disciples to ask Jesus who he is. Are you the one? Are you the prophet? Like, how did that happen? Like, how you get there? John, like, that don't make no sense. Where was he at? Oh, sometimes your circumstances could change your whole perspective. Right? Your circumstances could change your whole perspective. And that's the problem. See, when he was in the waters of baptism, it was all good. Right? In the waters of baptism, yo, Jesus is Lord. Then he's locked up in prison. He's like, yo, who, who is he? Is he really? Is he really Lord? Right? Is he really Lord? And that's the same with us, right? Baptized, we come out the water. Jesus is Lord, it's all good. Love the church, everything's great. Two years later, two months later, two days later, two hours later, <laughs> two minutes later, right? <laughs> two seconds, how far we gotta go, right? Things can change, right? You're going through pain, heartache, you don't understand why you're dealing with this sin still. Right? It just changed and now I'm locked in a prison. A prison perspective will always cause you to doubt your destiny. And we got to be mindful of that, man. When we have this prison mentality, when we're just locked in, in our own mind and we can't get out of it, we can't break out of it, it will always cause you to doubt what God is planning to do for you, for you, on the outside of the prison, he's full of faith, but inside, he's scared that God won't do what he said he's going to do. I don't know what mental prison you're in. I don't know what you're dealing with. I know that I dealt with this stuff. Can't front, right? I deal with these type of things and these thoughts. I don't know what your expectations are from God. 
from your job, your school, your ministry, your friends, your parents, your spouse, your kids, yourself, whatever. We have expectations, man. We have expectations. Like I said from the beginning, when expectations don't pan out, man, it hurts us so bad. It hurts us so bad. You know, 30, 40 years old, you kind of expect your life to be a certain way. Expect things to be a little different, right? Maybe someone in the church hurt you. That was some pain there. I love what Antoine shared about the difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. You know what I mean? I think that's huge in, in being able to understand that. But please don't judge the heart of Jesus based on someone who was supposed to represent him. I think we've got to be careful with that. Because we could judge the heart of Jesus based on the actions of someone who was supposed to represent him. Don't let that person be the one that defines who Jesus is for you and what he's going to do in your life. Maybe it's your own... You know, yeah, maybe... Maybe it's your own sin, your own secret sin, your own habitual sin that has you believing that God can't do the things he said he's going to do in your life, that God can't use you to influence this world for a better, for the better, that God can't do the things that he's called you to be. Live the disciple life that he called you to do. Maybe it's your sin and you know it and you know it. God can't use me. God won't use me. Matter of fact, God's probably waiting to curse me. Because of all this. You need to repent. You need to change. You need to deal with this. But do not forget that God's mercy endures forever. That it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. It's his mercy that brings us here. And the blood of Jesus covers a multitude of sins. The question is, are you allowing his love to inspire you? Are you allowing his love to inspire you? There's this point that I really like. I want to share this. Not that one. Next one. That's a good one, though. But religion says, I messed up. My dad is going to kill me. The gospel says, I messed up. I need to call my dad. And that's big. Because I think sometimes we have the wrong perspective of who God is. And so rather than running to him, we run away from him. You've got to get to your father. I want to wrap up with this here. We look at different people in the Bible that, that, that say that just mean things to us. And, you know, Peter is one of those guys. Uh, a lot of us, we like to make fun of Peter all the time. But I think we're a lot more like Peter than we like to admit in a lot of ways. Luke 22, verse 31, it says here, um, yeah, it says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to shift you all, to shift all of you as we, but I pray for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail, and when you have turned back, Strengthen your brothers. I want to notice, you guys notice a couple things about this prayer. This prayer is very unique here, because here's the thing with this prayer. He prays that your faith should not fail. Right? Jesus prayed to Peter, because Peter is going to do what to Jesus? He's going to deny him. 
Now, I had to stop and think, if I was Jesus, what would my prayer be like if I knew that this guy that I've been training for three years went and did was going to deny me? How would my prayer sound? I think it would sound a little like this. I would have prayed, maybe you can relate, that, you know, we would pray that you don't give in to being a coward, Peter. Stand up for your boy. And do what's right, no matter what, what the cost. Probably would have been the prayer, right? Probably would have been the prayer. Don't betray me. No benefit in that. But he prayed saying, telling him he's going to sin or he's going to fail. Told him how many times he's going to fail. And then said, but when you return back, strengthen your brothers. And I think that's so deep. Because when we mess up, we like to write ourselves out of the story of God. And people like to write you out the story of God, too, when you mess up. Right? It's like, yeah, oh, you jacked up. Bye. You never existed. Right? I was never here. Right? We do that when we mess up. But he wants to use all of you, to strengthen all of you. And this is big. All of you. Every part of you. Good, bad, ugly, and indifferent. All of it, God can use to strengthen all of you. And when we don't bring these things to God, and allow God to take over this, we miss out on something great, on what God could do with us. You know, there was a, there's a point at the end here where, you know, Jesus died after he was betrayed, he died, and he resurrected. And um, the, the apostles, it says that they were locked in a room Right? They were locked in a room. And they were scared for their lives. And I always thought that was a unique thing because the, the apostles were with Jesus. And Jesus told them. What did Jesus consistently say to them? That he's going to die and what's going to happen? He's going to resurrect. I'm going to die and then I'm going to resurrect. He said this multiple times, right? Hey, guys, I need you to understand. The Son of Man will die, but on the third day, he's going to resurrect. So if you are an apostle at that time, you heard Jesus say, I'm going to die and I'm resurrect. You see him die, what are you expecting? I'm expecting a resurrection. Where should the apostles have been? At the tomb, right? They should have been at the tomb, tailgate party singing, staying alive, staying alive, uh, right? They should have been jamming out at there, right? That should have been the plan. That should have been it. Right? But instead, where were they at? In a room, locked up, scared for their lives. The one thing I love about this is how Jesus still got in there. Still got in the prison. Never said he opened the door. Never said anyone let him in. He found his way in. And that's the same thing with all of us in our mental prisons, man. God will find a way to get in there to help you out. 
and to get you out of that. And it's crazy because once God got, went in there and got him out, saw the apostles, saw them, there was one, Doubting Thomas is what we used to call him. We love to make fun of Thomas, right? Make fun of him all the time. But here's the crazy thing with Thomas. Thomas says eight days later, still didn't, he, wasn't, he didn't see it, didn't see Jesus at the time. Eight days later, still didn't know. Still was doubting that he came back. It says that Jesus came back. Eight days later, touch my hand. Look at my feet. I'm here. What I love about this, and this is the, this is like this is this is everything to me. It shows me how Jesus, when He said, "I'll leave the ninety-nine to come back for the one," to make sure you got what you need. Make sure that your faith is built up. Make sure that you persevere, that you don't give up. He came back for Thomas. He came back for him. And you need to remember this. I don't care where you are in your faith. One thing that Thomas did right, even when he was doubting everything, he stayed with disciples. He stayed. If you stay, you allow yourself the opportunity to change. But when you leave, guess what? You allow yourself the opportunity to change. And it ain't closer to God. He stayed around disciples. Jesus came. Look. It's me. Don't doubt. Believe. Don't let your expectations take you to a place God doesn't want you to go. Make sure every expectation you have is laid in the foundation of God's word. And it's okay if you start tripping. Just stick around. You'll be all right. It's a God be the glory.